0: Save your seat now at growandemailist.com. That's growandemailist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode 100. That's right, 100. We hit it. Today's guest is someone that is so special. I found myself just closing my eyes and listening to her words as they resonated. I got to hear Najwa Zabian speak on stage and I swear my life was changed and so I knew I had to get her on the podcast to share her with the world and I know that what she says is going to touch your life. Najwa is an incredible author, a poet, a speaker. She's a teacher. She does all these incredible things, but most importantly, she helps give voices to people who have felt silenced. Tune on in to today's 100 episode for something so special. And I promise if you stick around till the end, you are going to be closing your eyes and just soaking in Najwa's words. You're listening to the Goal Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Alright, gold diggers, you are in for one of the biggest treats. I recently came across this incredible, inspiring woman, and today I get to share her with you. And to be honest, this is such a selfish episode because I've just wanted to connect with her on a more personal level, but we decided to let you in on what a treat. And so I want to introduce you to Najwa Zabian. She is a Lebanese Canadian author, poet, speaker, and educator, and you may recognize her two self-published books which are Mind Platter and The Nectar of Pain. She is an absolute breath of fresh air in the writing community and far beyond. After her personal experience of being silenced, she had made a decision to string her words in a way that resonates with every soul at a super deep level. Her mission is to give a voice to anyone who feels silenced and within less than two years of publishing her first book, she now inspires hundreds of thousands of people daily to to dive into the depths of feeling in a courageously daring yet beautifully liberating way. I got to hear Najwa at Lewis Howe's event and I just sat mesmerized, not just by her beauty, but the beauty in what she was saying. And so thank you so much Najwa for being on my show. You don't even know how much of an honor it is to have you. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for your very, very kind words. Oh, absolutely. So let's kick it off, and I just would love to open the stage to ask you to just share about your journey and kind of where you've been and what has led you to today and who you are today. The way that I like to describe my journey,
1: it's the way that I see it exactly. For most of my life, I felt invisible and silenced, and felt like I didn't matter. My voice didn't matter. Nothing that I had to say, nothing that I felt mattered. I felt like parts of me were mistakes. My sensitivity, my empathy, my ability to truly feel people's pain, my ability to be so affected by my environment. I saw those things as things about me that I needed to get rid of, things that made me unworthy of love and unworthy of belonging, unworthy of being listened to, unworthy of being understood. I lived that way for most of my life. And the journey that I've taken to be where I am today, in terms of having two published books and going out and speaking to audiences from everywhere, I got there through the journey of self-reflection and the journey of really trying to understand my perception of my worth and why I felt the way that I did for so long. As I tried to uncover that and understand that, that process itself was what got me here because I wrote during that time, during those like very, very, very dark times. Instead of completely shutting my feelings out and instead of completely shutting my thought process out, I actually wrote down exactly how I was feeling and how I was trying to make sense of it. And through that, and through sharing that with the world, I discovered that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. There are millions of people out there who feel the same way. And because They felt as invisible as I did. And because they felt as unworthy as I did, they just didn't talk about it. So the number one comment I get is, thank you for saying what I've been trying to say for so many years. Thank you for putting into words what I couldn't put into words. So it's that mutual craving to discover yourself and see yourself through your own eyes and not through the eyes of others, that connection, that mutual
0: craving is what got me here. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And what does here look like for you right now? Because before we jumped on, we were just talking about all that you're juggling and kind of how your platform is shifting and growing. So where are you right now in your life? Well, by the time this podcast airs, we might be at a totally different place. Than that. <laughs> Preach. True.
1: <laughs> but where I am right now is, so about a year and a half ago, I published my first book. That was my first peek into the world. I had nothing going on before that. I, I was teaching at the time and aiming to get my teaching career started off. And now I'm at a point where I have two published books. I am receiving... Media requests from all over the world. Yesterday, I was featured in the New York Times and in the Huffington Post twice. I just received a message right now saying I just saw you on TV on BBC, and I was on (laughs) yes. And someone sent me a copy of the Week magazine saying they have your quote, the mountains quote. They have it under wit and wisdom under that section, and they just took a picture of it saying, "Look, you're here." And so I'm at a point where my words are just, I don't even know where, how far they've reached because it seems like they've reached as far as anyone would dream of. And I'm very, very, very grateful for where I am in terms of that. At the same time, I go into schools and speak to students and I do that for free, like that's not part of my speaking commitments that happen in other places because I I do believe that students, especially where I work, you know, if I'm working here, I feel like it's my responsibility to try to make a difference for as many students as possible. I'm still teaching and I don't know where that's going at this point. I'm also pursuing my doctorate in educational leadership and working on my third book. You are right, I
0: crazy. <laughs> I don't know how I'm, I'm like trying to like count. Yeah. <laughs> you are crazy in the most beautiful way. And I think to just watching your journey unfold, like, it wasn't ever your intention, which I think is almost more beautiful, because it's just organically happening. And I think that that is so inspiring, because I think the world tells us to have all these big plans and to have a five year plan and all this. And it's like, could you have ever even imagined all that is happening right now? Honestly, I believe because I here's the thing. I did
1: science in undergrad. I got a you know, like a bachelor's in biology. I didn't in my wildest dreams think that I would be writing or that I would be speaking to people. Like I said to you, I felt like I was nothing. I was a nobody. I was just meant to do what's right. I was told go into science because that's the only thing that will get you a job at the end. And I felt like again with those expectations that the world was putting on me and that pressure I felt like, well, this is what I have to do. And I went through four years of that, and then I became a teacher, and then I did my master's in education, which I love teaching, I love inspiring people, but I'm not one of those people who looks at rules and says, "This, if you wanna get here, this is what you have to follow. Because I know for myself, the place that I am right now has nothing to do with the fact that I did biology in my undergraduate years. I am here because I listened to my soul that told me every night, write, just write about what's going on. It's okay if you spend three hours on one page, because Mm -hmm. as long as you are nurturing your soul... As long as you're listening to yourself and trying to understand yourself, it's not a waste of time. Whereas someone else would say, I don't have time to journal. I don't have time to reflect. I need to get this done and this done and this done. But for me, it was literally like, you know how a person who's addicted to like drinking or drugs or whatever, that's how writing was for me. I had to, Mm -hmm. no matter where I was or what was going on in my life. My pen and paper were just, they were the goal. That's what I needed. That was my dose of I'm doing what's right for myself before I even thought of publishing any of it at all. It was writing for me. So going back to your original question of, you know, would you have even imagined? No, because this wasn't, my goal wasn't to be in a place where people know me or to be in a place where I have a big platform of, you know, close to a million followers worldwide and being renowned by many of the top media sources in the world, really. That wasn't my goal. My goal was, what do I do for myself? What makes me feel like I am nurtured? And what makes me feel like I'm thirsty for more? And that's what I followed. And that's, that is why I am here.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that our world nowadays, like we are shells of human beings because of the pressures that are putting on ourselves or what we're supposed to do or the rules that we're following and we're not actually even investing in our souls anymore. No, because the world wants to convince you that that's not a priority.
1: You don't have time to feel. You don't have time to tend to your feelings because if you do then they call you selfish because you're spending too much time on yourself because there are bigger issues in the world that need to be solved. And the fact that you're spending time on understanding yourself, why would you do that? That's the pressure that you get from the world. And everybody sees, unfortunately, as much as it's important to make a living and to provide for yourself and be independent, that doesn't have to be independent of you doing what you love and doing something that is making a difference for you at the same time that it's making a difference for the world. Like you don't have to be completely distant from yourself to do something that provides for you. So many of the conversations that I have with people or or when I listen to people talk, most of their conversations are focused on work as a job, not work as something that is benefiting them in any way mm-hmm. as souls of human beings you know what i mean so you're right we face many pressures on a daily basis to conform to a certain way and a certain definition of what success looks like and a certain definition of what what is worthy of your time and what isn't and you know as much as i understand those pressures because i went through them for a long time and i submitted to them. I was submissive to those pressures for so long. I do have to say that even if you have those pressures, you still have a choice of whether you're going to let that pressure pressure you or whether you're going to say, you know what, I know that certain people are going to think certain things. I know that the people I love don't see the value in what I'm doing, but what about what I see? What about the value that I see in what I'm going to do for myself? Because honestly, if every person out there who's listening to us right now thinks of what are the things that weigh them down the most, they are the things that they are not tending to, which are their self-worth, their confidence, their feeling of accomplishment, your feeling of how good am I compared to the next person, all of those are the things that weigh us down, and we don't talk about them, so we give them a heavier weight. But imagine that if you took 10 to 15 minutes every night to just sit with yourself and say, you know, this is what I felt today, and I'm going to try to make sense of what I felt today. What's the trigger that made me feel this way? You know when you feel upset at something, when something happens and you just feel very Mm -hmm. upset and it like really gets to you and you just have a horrible day and you just don't get it. It's just the down day. And if one of your friends asks you, how was your day? You say, it was horrible. Like, I don't, like, I'm just feeling down. That day, if you don't take some time to try to figure out when did I start feeling this feeling? Was it something that someone said? And if it was something that someone said, what did it trigger inside of me that made me feel that down? And when you start asking yourself these questions, then you start knowing and anticipating certain things that are going to cause you the same feeling, and you can just distance yourself from that. But if you keep putting yourself in situations where you don't even understand why you're feeling as down as you're feeling, it's just going to keep getting worse day by day. That's why I think it is very important to let go of those pressures, let go of the judgments because people are going to judge you no matter what you do. They're going to judge you for, they're going to find something to judge you for. Like If they can't find something to judge you for, they'll judge you for the way you walk. Like that's the example I always give or the fact that, you know, you always look a certain way or, you know, you walked by me and you didn't say hello. People will find something to judge about you. So let go of the pressures, let go of the judgments and focus on what it is that you need. How can you invest in yourself? Amen.
0: Oh my gosh, I think this makes the perfect segue to. I want to hear you share again, and I just want to close my eyes when you do it is talking about the idea of home. And when you spoke at Lewis's event, you opened up with one of your poems, and you really spoke about how you can't make a home in anything or anyone else. And I don't want to keep talking about this, I want to open this up for you because you have an incredible way of describing this and tying it into your experience. Mm -hmm. So can you do that for me? Absolutely.
1: So at the beginning of this interview, I told you that I spent most of my life feeling invisible, silenced. I lived in multiple homes growing up in Lebanon from the age of eight to 16 for different periods of time. And I was constantly looking for validation. I was looking for someone to tell me, you belong here you're heard here, you're seen here, you are worthy of being loved here, you're worthy of being respected here, you're worthy of being listened to here. And I never had that, not because the people that I stayed with, I mean, they were close family members, not because they wouldn't have listened if I said anything, but it was because of the level of comfort that I had, knowing that I was constantly living in different places. And you don't just share your day with just anybody you have to go through a period of of trust and ensuring that you can talk to these people about what you're going through and i never got to that point because i was, was very quiet it was honestly a reflection of how i perceived myself and my own worth that just made me quiet i just felt like they're going to judge me if i tell them what i'm going through but During those years, I was searching for that place of belonging, that place where I would just be able to talk about what happens to me on a daily basis and how I'm feeling, express my opinion without having any of those fears of being judged or being told, you know, you're being too sensitive for feeling that way or any of that. So... Never, ever, ever felt that except towards certain places, certain memories, certain things. Like my journal was part of me feeling like home from the age of 13 to 16. And the definition of home that I go by, again, is that place that you can go to and fully be yourself, fully be uncovered. Like imagine your uncovered body, but it's not your uncovered body. It's your uncovered soul and heart And be fine with those around you seeing that. So when I came to Canada, I wasn't happy with the fact that I was forced to stay here because of the war that broke out back home. So I stopped writing then. So that took away a lot of my feeling of comfort with myself and how I defined or how I listened to myself because when when I stopped writing the feeling of being invisible got even worse. I kind of, again, felt like I surrendered and my life was going to be in black and white. The reason that I don't belong anywhere and the reason that I don't have that home is that something is fundamentally wrong with me and I don't deserve to belong. I don't deserve anybody to love me. I don't deserve anyone to respect me. I don't deserve anybody to hear me because who am I? Like, who am I in this world? It must be my sensitivity and it must be the fact that I, you know, pay attention to little details. It must be all those things that are just making me completely worthless. And I believed that for seven straight years. And then when I started writing again, it was when I started teaching and seeing my students going through the same struggles that I went through as a 16-year-old who just arrived in a new country And I started writing for them to empower them. And I realized with time that I wasn't writing for them only. I was writing for my 16-year-old self and helping her heal. Because the day that I decided to stop writing at 16, because I was in a new place and writing was just too painful, that day was the day that I chose to not heal from what I was going through. And I carried that weight for seven years. And I didn't start healing that 16-year-old self until I started writing again and shortly after that I met someone who I believed was this was the home you know when you have a dream home this was the dream home because this was a person who saw the things about me that I saw were Mm -hmm. mistakes and were reasons for shame and just absolutely loved them. This was a person who gave me attention, a person who listened to me, a person who valued absolutely everything in me. And I invested everything I had. And when I say invested, I'm referring to, again, that soul piece, that love piece, that caring, and all of the amazing feelings that I could give, I gave them to that person and you know, one day he walked away, and I, I see it now. I see the reasons for it now, but at the time, I couldn't because I was too blinded by the fact that I no longer had a home. and I was too betrayed. I was feeling like I put, you know, I put so much love towards this home. I put so much care towards this home. I gave so much of my time up to to listen to this home and to try to understand this home. And I deserve to be part of it. And I no longer am. And again, I'm not referring to a physical home, I'm referring to the human being. With time, I started feeling like my goal was to feel like home more than it was to be with that person. Because Again through the process of self-reflection I was asking myself why do I want to be why do I want to be part of someone's life who doesn't value me? Why am I beating myself up? This was one of the most eye-opening reflections that I had. I was trying so hard to change myself to regain a part in this person's life that I lost myself. I became a person that I didn't know. And it just hit me at one point when I talked about that picture that my dad showed me. He showed me a picture when I was less than two years old and I was holding his hand tightly and I was smiling in that picture. And my dad said, do you remember this picture? He said, remember the picture that you shared on Facebook for Father's Day? He said, when I was holding your hand in that picture, I said to myself, this girl is going places because of the look that I saw in your eyes and I don't see that look anymore. And that just completely made me see things differently because I went and looked in the mirror that night and I didn't see myself. And I've described this many times before the same way, but I honestly saw a face that looked like a sky that was choking you know when the weather is just muggy out there and doesn't know whether it's gonna rain or be sunny or snow or it's just the sky looks like it's choking and that's the person that I saw in the mirror and that wasn't the true me that wasn't me that's not who I am so I started asking myself why do I want to be part of a person's life who's not even going to love me for who I am I'm trying to change into someone that he loves He should love me the way that I am. Why am I seeing myself through his eyes when I need to be seeing myself through my eyes? That shifted everything for me. So instead of saying that home that I invested so much in and that home that walked away and made me feel empty. And instead of seeing that as a weakness, I said to myself, you know what? I do have the right to feel empty because it's true. I gave so much love. I gave so much of my time, you know, days and months of my time towards this home. And now that it's gone, of course, I'm going to feel empty. But I am the source of love. I'm the one who put love in that home. That means I can make it again and put it in my own home, in my own self, in that person that I want to invest in, which is me. I'm not going to walk around looking for people to welcome me into their lives before I welcome myself into my own life, before I see myself for who I really am. So wherever I go, my definition of who I am and my self-worth isn't dependent on the humans or the places or the ideas that welcome me. I have a home within me and I will feel like home wherever I go.
0: Oh, it's so good. I'm just like closing my eyes and listening to you because I think that we often do this in our lives without even recognizing it, you know? Absolutely, we do. And I, again,
1: I hate to tell people you're doing this because something's wrong with you. It's not like that. We are hardwired. And Brene Brown says this, we are hardwired for connection. We want to feel like we belong. We want to be welcomed into people's lives. It's a natural thing. We want to be heard. We want to be seen. But the mistake that we make is that we always aim to be seen by the people who don't see us because, and we aim to be heard by the people who don't hear us. Because that somehow is a self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm not good enough. So I'll go after the people who I know aren't going to hear me. I know who aren't going to see me because they don't want to. And I tell myself, there you go. I'm proving to myself that I'm not worthy because those people are not welcoming me. But imagine, imagine looking at an experience where someone makes you feel like you're unheard, where, you know, It could be in any context. It could be in a relationship. It could be in the workplace. You say something and the other person either ignores you or repeats what you say in a way that makes you feel like I just said it and you're taking full credit. Or they hear you but they misunderstand you intentionally. Imagine that you, instead of looking at that as they did that because something is wrong with me and because I deserve that they do that to me, and instead thinking, well, I said what I had to say, and their choice to not hear me out is their choice, and it reflects on them. I would never be like them. I'm just doing what I know is right. That shift in your perception of explaining the way that people react to you or treat you, it could change your life.
0: Absolutely. So I want to hear about, I mean, the fact that you were writing for yourself and then went on to publish, what was it like putting your words out into the world? And like, how did that come to be? Because I imagine it must have been really scary.
1: It was scary. And at the same time, it wasn't because when I decided to put my words out there, I was still under the, I was still overwhelmed by that same feeling of who do you think you are? And the reason I published the book, my first one, Mind Platter, is I wanted all of my writings to be in one place, and I wanted to say, I have a voice. And part of the reason that I didn't go towards a publisher, like I did not submit my manuscript to anybody. I didn't pitch it. I didn't do anything. I just went on Amazon. I self-published it. The reason that I did that was that I said to myself, I don't want to put myself under the mercy of someone else accepting me or someone else saying, oh, this is good. I just wanted to do it. And I didn't anticipate that my work would, or that my book would reach nearly as many people as it reached today. I said to myself, if this book makes a difference for one person, if it makes a difference for one person who felt the same way that I felt of feeling out of place and feeling like I don't matter and feeling like I'm invisible. If it makes one person feel seen and heard, that would be enough for me. And when I first put it out there, I knew that I was opening myself up to people saying, oh my God, she focuses so much on feelings. Something is wrong with her. I knew that I was opening myself up to that. But at the same time, I was educating myself on vulnerability and I was educating myself on how I need to not again submit to the pressures of the world and tell myself if this is what I believe in, this is what I'm going to do, regardless of what people have to say. So, yes, it was a big jump and a big exposing moment for me to put my words out there, but I saw. My purpose wasn't, again, to gain an audience. It wasn't to gain attention. My purpose was to liberate myself and say, I don't care anymore about what people think. This is how I think. This is how I feel. So (laughs) once people started sharing my work and people started (laughs) contacting me and saying, honestly, the number one comment I get is, Thank you for putting into words what I've been trying to put into words for years. That's the number one comment I get. And I get lots of thank you for giving me a voice. I know I'm not alone. You've helped me more than a therapist has helped me. Not that I'm saying that I'm better than therapists, but there is a power in telling people, me too. I felt the same thing too, or I feel the same thing too. And like I said to you earlier, we tend to hide those feelings because we feel so ashamed of them. So when nobody talks about them, it's perceived that they're just not there. So every person in their struggle feels like they're alone. But when one person says, me too... Then another one says, me too. Then another one says, me too. Now you've created a community of people who are saying, thank God I'm not the only one. That must mean nothing is wrong with me. The validation there, the power in another person's story relating to your own, that is better than like winning the lottery because because as a soul... You just felt validated and you can't put
0: a price on that. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like what a gift to be a permission grantor, to be that person that kind of paves away because like you said, people try to sum up their experiences or to put words behind them, but often struggle if they're not gifted in a way of doing so. And so you are like almost opening this door to freedom, which is... I mean, honestly, one of the most insane offers and gifts that you could ever possess as a human being. Like, how does that feel? Like, do you understand the impact that you can have? I'm still trying. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have to understand that Najwa is like this pint-sized, like, most beautiful, (laughs) tiny woman. Like, it's just insane how powerful you are. (laughs) A friend of mine
1: yesterday sent me a picture of a little ant carrying a b- <laughs> a big lo- like a big piece of wood, saying, "This is you." <laughs> like Absolutely. they underestimated you. They this. They that. He's like, "I will never step on an ant ever again." <laughs> and I was like, "You better not." Honestly, it feels so liberating. It feels so liberating, and. I, get, I have very recently been receiving messages like, aren't you worried about how people are going to read the, like, the nectar of pain and see how vulnerable you were in it and how you admitted to having certain feelings and, and you're talking about your darkest moments of like pretty much begging someone to welcome you into their life and all these, aren't you worried about that now that more and more people are knowing about you? Or aren't you worried about the judgment that you're going to get as a Muslim woman who's out there who to many is wearing a symbol of oppression, aren't you worried about things like that? And I say, I am not worried at all because my goal is to make a difference in the world. I want to change the world. I want people to perceive talking about feelings differently. So if I'm going to say, you know, yeah, I am worried about people reading my books and seeing the vulnerability that is like dripping from them, I would be a hypocrite. I would be a hypocrite to say that. I feel that with every copy of my books that is sold, with every video that I make, with every platform that I stand on, any stage that I take, any audience that I speak to, I feel like I am changing one more person's life, one more audience's life. And I don't have a doubt inside of me that by telling them that you need to embrace yourself and embrace your soul and learn about yourself, mm-hmm. I have no doubt that by telling them those things, I am giving them that nudge to start changing their lives into much better lives. So going back to your original question, I feel, I feel liberated. I feel very accomplished by making a difference for as many people as, as I can.
0: Isn't that crazy to, to say those words after just thinking about how you felt silenced to just even say, like, I feel liberated. Isn't that crazy?
1: It is because I never thought that this day would come.
0: I never, ever thought that this day
1: would come. I gave power over my own healing to the people who would not hear me to the people who I gave the heaviest weight of validation for myself. And for a long time, I felt like if they don't hear me, then I will never be hurt. I will never be able to heal from this. I I was actually, I was waiting for them to say, what happened to you was horrible. For me to start healing from it, like to give myself permission to start feeling that pain and start grieving and getting myself out of it. I was stuck. I was stuck on that validation. And it took so much of... Saying, I'm going to make my own voice. I don't need anybody to define me. I don't need anybody to say, Najwa, you have a voice. Start speaking. I'm going to speak, and I'm going to give myself a voice. So the fact that I did that, and I succeeded at that, I can't tell you how... uh, I want to cry, but I'm going to cry. <laughs> you can cry, I cry it's every day <laughs> that I know that had I not been silenced my voice wouldn't have the power that it has today but I will never say mm-hmm. I will never say that if I could do it all over again that I would go through the pain again because it was too painful and I I wouldn't wish it upon anybody at all to mm-hmm. go through what I went through because I went through some very, very dark moments where I just didn't see, not that I was suicidal, but I didn't see myself as part of this world anymore. I didn't see a place for myself in this world anymore. I felt like I was in this dark, dark, dark corner where I was giving up on myself in every way you can imagine as as someone who as a student, as a teacher, as a speaker, as a writer, I fully gave up on myself and someone else would have stayed in that spot and I didn't. So I don't know that if I were to go through that pain again, going back, if I would have followed the same journey. But I do know that... The journey that got me here and allowed me to be a survivor instead of someone who completely surrendered is the fact that I didn't put my pen down. The fact that I kept writing without caring about who, what, where, when, and if someone was going to read them.
0: That is like... I mean, I just imagine and try to envision you in these days. And what I think is just so incredible is that even in those dark days, you were writing almost to your future self or to people that are walking that without even knowing it. You know, like we're so strategic these days and we're so thoughtful and so planned and to see the beauty that came from such a struggle, from such a hard time, without having any intention, but to focus on yourself in that beautiful, hard space? Like, can you imagine if during that period, you knew that that would change lives?
1: I didn't think it would change lives. Like I said, I didn't think it mattered altogether. And that's what led me to, to write, because The powerful thing about writing is that you have the ability to shift your writing however you want. You have the ability to end your story however you want. You have the ability to rise against the struggle that you're in right now that you just don't see an end to. But how powerful is it to end one of your journal entries by saying, but I will conquer. I will survive. This is a hard thing that I'm going through, but I am going to get out of this. How powerful is it to just see that or to just write that after any struggle that you have? It's very, very, very powerful. And that's what I did through my writing. I said, this is horrible. Yes, this feeling is horrible. But I'm not going to ignore my feeling just because it's horrible. Like I have, last night actually, I was talking to a friend of mine. She said to me, I'm feeling very down today. Something is wrong with me. Why am I feeling so down? And I I said, listen, why do you feel that something is wrong with you for feeling down? Feeling down is a natural feeling. Why are you making the conclusion that something is wrong with you because you're feeling down? If you were to try to just leave it at, I'm feeling down this is what I'm going to do to get myself out of it. Instead of saying, I'm feeling down, therefore I something is wrong with me. How about I'm feeling down, so I'm going to do something about it. That's what I did through my writing. And so that is the impact that I believe, or that's the change and the element that caused the impact that my writing has caused. It's that it encompasses all of the steps That a human needs to, instead of shame themselves for the way they feel, understand the way they feel and therefore heal from it, move past it and rise above
0: it. That is so powerful. Oh my goodness. Could you, this is off of the cuff, but... Would you be willing to share a little bit of your poetry before we sign off today? You can pick anything. I just love (laughs) hearing your words come out of your mouth. Absolutely. Let me just open a few here.
1: So would you like to hear something from Mind Platter or The Nectar of Pain? I love The Nectar of Pain, but I love them both. So (laughs) the one quote that has really revolutionized my life and hopefully many people around the world is the one from the nectar of pain and that one is the dedication of the nectar of pain which symbolized to me what the book stood for and it's these mountains that you are carrying you were only supposed to climb to me it symbolized if you imagine all of the things that hold you back and weigh you down every single day like feelings of rejection feelings of i don't belong here Feelings of something is wrong with me. Who do you think you are? We do carry them around with us everywhere we go. We do. Like it's a known fact that that's why kids don't do very well in school. They carry those feelings around with them everywhere they go. So before you have an interaction with someone new, you think, why would they listen to me? That mountain that you're carrying on your shoulders tells you, why would they listen to you? And the weight becomes so heavy. So I changed the way that I thought of it and said, I'm not going to carry these mountains. I'm not going to carry these burdens. I'm going to climb them and overcome them. And the reason that I chose mountains is that mountains are the visualization that you get when you climb a mountain. It's the same as healing from any kind of pain because it's not easy. It's You have steep slopes, and sometimes you get to a point where you have to go down a little bit before you go back up, and sometimes you have to take a break. And halfway through which is what we do most of the time. We get so tired and we think, I'm just going to go back down. That's when relapse happens in any kind of situation. You say, I'm just going to go back to my level of comfort. I can't reach the top of this. But once you do, and once you overcome that struggle or that feeling, it's so liberating. And if you encounter it again in your life, you say, oh, well, I've done this before. I can do it again. So (laughs) that's where that came from. So I'm going to read the poem that I read at Lewis's event, the Thank You for Silencing Me one. Thank you for silencing me. You led me to break the silence of thousands who've met humans like you who chose not to use their hearts to love, to allow their consciences to be just, or their broken pasts to heal the wounds of the broken. Thank you for loving me only when you needed someone to love you. You led me to understand that in times of our need for love, our hearts are the most beautiful. Thank you for leaving me when I needed you most. You led me to myself. You led me to needing my own heart. You led me to my voice. So that's page 98 of The Nectar of Pain. Amazing.
0: Thank you so much. Where can everybody find your books, find you? So
1: I'm Najwa Zabian everywhere you go on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, if you probably have the selling on the podcast so people would be able to access my name. My books are on Amazon because I'm self-published. That's the mainstream that people buy them from. But uh, multiple bookstores have them. You'll be able to find them anywhere you go. And if they're not there, they'll order them for you. There's another one that I would like to read from the nectar of pain if that's okay with you.
0: Yes, please. Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs)
1: And then I'll read one from Mind Platter just so people can tell the difference between the two. Perfect. This one here. The day you walked into my life, I felt like the chosen one. How could a king like him love a free soul like mine? How could he love you, you fool? The distance you'd have to run is far too far And the soldiers of the battles you'd have to win are gone, long gone. He's championed wars, and you're still training to fight. He's run marathons, and you're still learning to walk. He's conquered cities, and you're still learning the maps. He's sailed oceans, and you're still building your boat. It must be your foolish mind crafting stories with invisible ink and reading between lines that don't exist. Then you told me that you loved my smile, and the time after that, you asked me what perfume it was that I wore. I felt so lucky that a man like you wanted me in a kingdom like yours. And when the gates opened and I entered inside, I saw nothing that pleases the eye. You see, you worked so hard to build your fort, but forgot to tidy what's inside. The years had tainted your every corner with the torture that you'd inflicted on every visitor. And now I look back and think, what a fool you were to think that you could conquer a queen's kingdom like mine. What a fool. (sighs) I love your reaction.
0: I'm just sitting here with my eyes closed.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny the other day. So I've been contemplating the idea. I've been actually wanting to make an audiobook for so long. And it's just the fact that, I mean, I published my first book, like, not even two years ago. And the nectar of pain came eight months after that. And the way that everything happened so quickly, that's the reason why I don't have one yet. And I put the camera on the page and I just read it. And The feedback I got was amazing. They're like, we want to hear more. (laughs) The page I'll read from Mind Flatter is let go. We often attach letting go to negativity because we take it as giving up. And giving up is a sign of weakness. That's not always true. Sometimes letting go can be as positive as holding on. And sometimes holding on can be as negative as letting go. Letting go of what makes you miserable is the right decision to make because while one opportunity that you are holding on to makes you cry your heart out, another opportunity is patiently waiting for you. It is patiently waiting for you to let go of what you have and hold on to this new opportunity. When you let go of what you have, do it the right way. Don't let go feeling weak. Don't let go feeling like you've done anything but your absolute best. Don't let go feeling like you were not worth the opportunity. It was not meant to be worth your pain, although it may have been painful. Think deeply into the purpose that made you take that opportunity. And if you've achieved that purpose, then take pride in it. Give yourself credit and don't ever let anybody put you down. Let go feeling like the biggest winner. And let loss go home with the opportunity that never appreciated you. Reflect, learn, move on, hold on to the next exciting thing that the world opens up for you, and put your best forward, for your best will never let the inner you down, ever.
0: Oh my gosh, what a perfect ending to our time together. I feel like I'm just going to take audio clips of these and listen to them every morning so that I can just have you in my life. And guys, Najwa posts incredible videos that are just so inspiring on our Instagram and all over social media. So I feel like we all just need a dose of you in our daily lives. And just thank you for sharing your story and for sharing your words that are so sacred to you, because it truly, truly is changing other people's lives.
1: Thank you so much for saying that. And I'm not trying to say anything out of not being honest, but the fact that you contacted me and asked me to speak to you, that contributes towards my feelings of what I'm doing is the right thing. And you are making me feel heard. And you are making me feel like I have a voice. Like I really, really mean that. So I hope that you take Mm. that to heart. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You gold diggin dream chaser, you.